Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria back with you and uh, it's all been happening. The NBL Blitz all week has been a double header feast. All 10 NBL teams getting at it and dusting off the cobwebs. And of course, the FIBA Women's World Cup tipped off in Sydney last night. So uh, we're going to break it all down with Joe Healy, who has been on the ground in both of those locations. Of course, you know her from the NBL broadcast, the basketball show. She was with me at the NBA Summer League this year in Las Vegas, and uh, she has been in Darwin amongst it over the past week. So sit back, relax. Up next, Joe Healy. Joe, what's happening? Welcome to the huddle. Hey, Tiz. Long time no see. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you sweated it out in the heat of Las Vegas, in the middle of the Nevada desert. Quite you came literally. back and then you went to Darwin. You're crazy. I know, I know. Um, and then here's me two days back in Sydney and missing the sun and the sweat and all of that all over again. So, um, no, it's been good. It's been a fun year. We're going to talk all about the Blitz. You were right there amongst it. We're going to dive deep into... That beautiful moment you had with Aaron Baines post-game uh, early in that tournament. But last night, the Women's World Cup tipped off. The Opals, a narrow loss to France. What was the energy in the building? and What was the kind of feeling like post-game? The energy was really fun. Uh, everyone was up and about. Uh, the opening ceremony was pretty amazing. And to be honest, right through the day, the energy was really cool at the, at the arena. Um, so disappointed for the Opals. Like first up, there was so much hype around them, around seeing LJ back out there. That she hit that three pointer, and everyone went absolutely berserk. Um, so there, like there were lots of really good moments. Um, I mean, their tournament's by no means over, but you just get the feeling with the French being slightly depleted, cup their players having only just arrived back from the states as well. It was a, a bit of an opportunity missed for them, I think. Um, but they'll, they'll, they've got a, a pretty, not a cruisy game this evening, but one that they definitely should, uh, should get through and hopefully work on some of the things that they, they were missing last night and, and go from there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hopefully they can bounce back. Tournament play, man, you lose that first game of a tournament like this and sometimes it could come back to bite you. So hopefully that's not the case. All right, we'll go talking about that atmosphere. Let's talk about the atmosphere at the Darwin basketball facility. Firstly, Looking from afar, it looked like it had the most enormous fan in that building you're ever going to see in the world. Uh, that's pretty accurate. It was. Um, I, I don't think there was aircon on the stadium. Like the doors were open. If 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 it was, you didn't notice because it was bloody warm in there. I tell you, um, even just being a, a spectator. So speaking to some of the guys after the game, they are dripping. You you're watching them sort of sat out. Um, uh, on the corner wide waiting for that that deep three and, and the guys are literally just dripping off of their really? chin like pretty rank to be wow. <laughs> to be honest um but it, it, i mean the atmosphere was great the locals were loving it um uh, the nbl weren't sort of totally um sure what the numbers would be like sort of come like monday tuesday wednesday mm -hmm. the weekend it was sold out it was great but they the numbers kept up and everyone was really enjoying seeing the players out there Lots of lots of the NBL guys made um, made a lot of new fans with all the kids writing about as well. So it was pretty cool. Okay, well that's big. That's that's going to be key. The kind of the amount of people that turned out, right? Like that's the the big question coming into the tournament. When they, I think back to like the 2015 Blitz in Townsville. Um, that was kind of the beginning of the end for the Crocs because you know no one just there was no one there. 
nobody turned up and the big now it became apparent like listen do you know what the thirst for basketball has kind of died away in this city they went to tassie a few years ago and they came out in droves um to watch those games do you get the sense i mean it wraps up tonight with a couple of games but overall do you get the sense like it was well enough attended to tick that box for the thirst of basketball in darwin i it's i reckon it's somewhere in, in between those two okay. it wasn't it wasn't the droves and the numbers that you would have got in in tassie but also the the stadium capacity probably wasn't necessarily uh, there either um, but there's there's definitely a, a desire for for an NBL team up there. Certainly speaking to people in the NBL who are having conversations with local government and things like that, like they are willing to throw some money at this to to really push for a team. So it's it's it'll be interesting to see what these other uh, locations do in terms of how much they're willing to put forward. Because Darwin is certainly putting their hand up at least and, and saying, you know, we want this to happen. Logistically, I mean, speak to any of the players about getting there. Um, it, it's it's a bit of a, a trek for a lot of these teams. There aren't that many flights up to Darwin, but um, it, it's, I think before the tournament, I had probably written it off as being a location for an NBL team. Uh-huh. Now the blitz is done and you, you've been listening to what people are saying up there. I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're back on the list. I don't know how high up they are, but they put, they put themselves back on the list. So it'd be interesting. Nice, nice. Um, man, I've been so bummed out that I haven't been there. Like there's, there's, and you and I experienced this at the NBA Summer League back in July. Like when you, you watch from afar, you get a sense of who's playing well and who's doing this and that. But there's so much that you absorb and pick up from being in the building at a tournament like that mm. and having the conversations with people involved pre-game and post-game and of an evening and so on and so forth. And I've had that at the Blitz for a number of years, but not this year. But, but you have, you were there um, in amongst all of that, atmosphere what what let's talk about some things that just kind of like caught your eye some things about particular players or or trends or teams that you picked up from being in the building uh Aaron Baines is probably the the big one that stands out everyone was so excited to see Brisbane play that first game and um, he, he, he is every bit how JD described him when you spoke to him on the a huddle a couple of weeks ago he's He's so intimidating. He's so intense, but but it's it's his way or the highway with with this Brisbane team. And I, I think for any of the Bullets guys there, like if they don't buy in, that's their problem. Like hmm. he is one hundred percent taking this team and doing it his way. And from from all accounts, everybody's sort of loving it and appreciating it at the moment. Um, so yeah, exciting signs for them. Um, I can't remember what was the term that JD used about the hype. What was he saying about not buying into the hype? Yeah, he said um, you're not going to use the Jedi mind trick. Yeah, yeah that's me. what it was. He um he he used that again. Okay. Um, and uh, but said, look, it's hard not to be excited. It's just that they are, they've got to be disciplined in staying focused because obviously the the competition is um is so even. But they Brisbane looked good and and Bainsy after the game, as you said, like speaking to him and. I know it's not the actual tournament, but it was literally his first competitive game and he's yeah. been through everything he's been through. And he looked down the barrel of the camera and he just said, Rach, like kids, thank you so much. And I'm there trying not to cry. <laughs> it was so nice. And yeah. he was just happy. He was just happy to be there. And and that was one thing that really, really stood out. Yeah. Oh, well, I think was it Brisbane? They dropped the social clip with all the 
the ding, 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 ding every time he said the word fun and the one time you dropped it at the end as well. I mean, watching that game, and I know you would have just not taken your eyes off him because, you, you know, you go back with him and, and um, the crew there for a while. We, you, were, you and I were there in Las Vegas a couple of months ago as he stepped back out there in front of everybody. So when, he, when that game started, he had the bucket down underneath the and one and his arm goes up in the air and the huge smile on his face. You, you, what kind of sense did you get from him in those moments about how it felt being back on the floor? Um, just, I think relief, I would say, um, he, I don't think he's feeling a whole lot of pressure or it doesn't look like he's feeling a whole lot of pressure. And, and he, he kind of alluded to that when he said, like, I don't think I'm ever going to not enjoy myself ever again. Um, I imagine obviously he's been through so much mentally and physically, but there would have been a lot of lessons in that too and growth. Mm. And for him reflecting back you can imagine you can apply it to yourself as well when you think back and you're like I put too much pressure on myself in that moment or I wasn't enjoying it because I wanted it so badly and I imagine that he's had some some life lessons in that too and the fact that he's now really just enjoying the journey and embracing it and you can it's tangible you can feel it out there and and it's definitely um, having that impact on the guys around him as well. And there's there's the two different elements to him and the impact he's going to have on that team, isn't it? It's kind of what sort of a dominant force he's going to be as a player. I mean, he was 14 and six in that game in 13 minutes. I think he was the best player in the game. He was certainly the best player during on the floor during his minutes out there. But I even think just even in those 13 minutes, he was the he was the most impactful player in that game. And then there's the leadership and the culture piece that Brisbane have missed the toughness and the accountability he brings to the squad yeah definitely and and I guess because he comes in you know he's 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 got a ring he's got all this NBA experience but someone like Tyler Johnson who is is going to be excellent in this league he's taking some time to find his feet and and work out the style of play that they are they're working towards but like Bainty's up in his grill massively pulling his shirt telling him to get away from the refs not worry about this thing you know I don't yelling at him I don't care you know focus on the team and pulling them in in the huddles um after a foul and things like that um it's as you said like you you don't take your eyes off of him and you can see the impact that he's having on those guys around him the body language stuff is the best you only get that from being courtside or being right there behind the bench so what I mean DJ Mitchell and uh you know like uh, these Luol Ding like these guys are going to follow Baines to wherever he wants to take them but those veteran guys, like Nathan Sobey, Jace, like Sobey isn't used to being told that kind of how it is in Brisbane over the last few years. Like that's been his team and he's kind of done what he wants. I mean, what's the body language being there with those kind of more veteran guys, Kadi, Sobey, these type of guys? It's funny you say that. I was having that conversation because Bainsey's obviously been given the captain's uh, nod for this side and so I can't remember who I sat with, but I said, you know, is that a bit of a knock to, to your Nathan Sobies and, and Jace Cadiz who, who have had this team for a while, but it, it doesn't look that way at all. It looks like they are um, f- fully embracing the fact that Baines is there and probably for their, from their point of view going, hang on a second, we have struggled the last few years. We need to get on board here because this is a massive opportunity for us to, to take advantage and actually be there at the end of the season come finals time. So um, yeah, you, you, there were no signs of, of any sort of tension or anything like that. And I had a good chat with um, Sobes, actually, because he's still on limited minutes. I think he played nine minutes a game so far. And, you know, he's 
he's a competitor, isn't he? And he's frustrated. I asked him, I'm like, are you okay to sit back or are you sort of nagging at JD to be out there? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm nagging, but I also understand that I want to be ready for this season. I'm so serious about where we're going. Um, so, so I think for someone like Sobes, like he's got his own personal physical stuff to, to focus on. He's just embracing the fact that, you know, they've got the team potentially to do it this year. Yeah. And him staying healthy is going to be such an important part yeah. of that. Um, hey, look, while we're talking about chemistry, uh, body language, let's talk about the Adelaide 36ers because they went three and zip. They will probably win the blitz because, you know, it depends on what happens tonight uh, with uh, Brisbane and Melbourne, but they couldn't really. They put every step forward in a, in a great way over the course of the week. They've looked great. And Antonius Cleveland comes. He looked like Kawhi Leonard in that opening half against, <laughs> that's uh, a <laughs> against Tasmania. Like he was just hitting triples and fadeaways and then getting his hands on, on loose balls and finishing at the cup. Like they've got Craig Randall and Robert Franks. Robert Franks went off last night, oh, but I'm interested. Like we all know that they're stacked, they're loaded, they're legit and they're going to be tough this season, mm. but how well do they stay together? Anytime you have a stack lineup, chemistry like people have to sacrifice and how willing are you going to be to do that on a season-long basis or also on a game-to-game basis I'm fascinated to watch that with Adelaide this season what did you pick up kind of courtside in that regard with the 36ers yeah you and I both I think that's the big question mark around them um like Frank's is playing limited minutes throughout the the beginning of the tournament so you didn't they weren't really competing that much for, for time on the court, but you're right there. They're so stacked. I think Craig Randall is going to be the most interesting one. Um, he's, he's fiery. He, he's seriously fierce out there on the court where, you know, I, I think every other team are going to absolutely hate him. He's going to be up in, up in people's faces. He was already getting into it with a couple of the Southeast Melbourne players the other night. Um, and it's for him, he's he, quite young clearly very talented when he's going downhill there's no stopping him mm. but it, it, it is you're right it's it's how he how CJ can kind of manage all of those those characters from from the sounds of things and from the looks of things like it's very much a team a family orientated club at the moment lots of the guys have got young kids they're all bouncing off of each other and I think for for someone like Craig if he can come in and and embrace that they'll be sweet um, I think they're going pretty hard in training. Um, Randall and uh, AC had a, you know, a bit of a, a go at it the other day, but CJ, CJ's on them. He's, he's been really disciplined with them. He's, um, you know, threatening them, not threatening them, but, you know, throwing punishments on, on certain stats if they reach season games or don't reach season games. And so I, I think, I think they're embracing it at the moment. Uh, I guess once, once they're into the season, when it starts getting tough, when the pressure sort of starts to build then we see you know how ready they really are and how how sort of tight they are as a group yeah yeah that balancing act between wins and your numbers yeah you know it depends some for some guys it depends where you are in your career you know like um if you're trying to get back to the association or you're trying to get there man how how much is it all about the wins and then the number everybody eats can you get yourself to that place or is your mind in a in a different place that's going to be fascinating to watch yeah i think i think ac is probably going to be a key to that because i've spoken to him before and not that he doesn't want to get back to the league but he's also said you know quite quite willingly look i don't want to sit on the end of the bench on an nba team like i i, I love being here I, I want to be the guy i want to 
um, you know, be in that winning culture and, you know, NBL now pays reasonably well. And so he's actually got a good life for himself, for his family. And I think he might be the one who um, helps to, to sort of mellow out the other two who perhaps will need their, their time in the spotlight. He might be the one who could potentially sort of help out. And being quite a good, obviously, defensive player, if he's not working offensively, he can still have an impact on the team sure. the other way. For sure. And if Robert Franks plays like he did last night, they're going <laughs> to gonna lose very few games. Hey, while we're on the 36s, shout out CJ Bruton, who just completely owns the NBL Blitz as a coach. He's now nine and zip as a head coach at the Blitz. He, w- he had one as like a standing coach for Andre two years ago. Then he went, I think it was five and zip last season. Um, now, that turned out to be a little bit of a mirage with what that mm-hmm. Adelaide team went on to do but then he's gone three and zip this year as well and we feel like that's a little bit more much more kind of for real so shout out cj because the the pride the cup is partly named after his dad so it's very cool that he just never loses cal cal was up there too doing the rounds i love the man he's always happy to have a chat so he he was loving it It it's just a big social sort of experience for him up there saying hi wearing his wearing his w wichita cap so i think he had a chat with um uh, Rashad Kelly from the mm-hmm. Tassie Jack Jumpers as well. Mm-hmm. So it was nice for, for those guys to to connect too, which is cool. All right. So who who else? What what other team or player or or theme kind of oh. caught your eye? Um Rajon Tucker mm. coming out and saying that he's the the best new import in the league. That definitely raised some eyebrows. The players were talking about it. It was right. it was juicy. It was good. And then you know, someone like DJ Hogue comes out and drops four or five and, and 25 the next game. And you're kind of like, yeah, okay. People people have definitely taken notice to what he had to say. Okay, um, nice. I, I mean, he's he's we're expecting him to be excellent. He, he certainly showed signs of that for, for United. But um, that's, that's a big call, I reckon. So Craig Randall, uh, Derek Walton Jr. is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ Hogue, as you say, Justin Robinson is a stud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, Roger Tucker's going to be good. He's going to be very good. Is he, is he right, do you think, from what you saw in preseason? Um, it's not far off. I don't think anyone, you, you really got a full grasp of what they're fully capable of. The new imports coming in, they're still learning, learning the teams. But, I mean, Milton Doyle's pretty handy. Um, uh, Jack McBay was calling him the six-foot-five Kevin Durant. And apparently he's had that before too. Um, and then uh, the, the breakers were pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. Which was, which was good because, because admittedly being obviously over here, you don't get to see them quite as much and, and up in person and, and speak to the guys and, and hear sort of the dynamic and how the group is. So it was really good to, to spend some time chatting to some of those guys and, and seeing, seeing the energy that they play with, Jarrell Brantley, I don't think I've ever seen someone on the court with that much energy. And then you look at um, Moni Mayor and his staff on the sideline, <laughs> like they are so intense, but I think it really works for the group. That's interesting. Cause I asked Modi, I'm not sure if I asked him on air or, or no, it was you off did. Air. You did. Okay. You did. I was like, yeah. you know, are you going to be crazy? Like, are you going to chill as a head coach? And he said something like, you know, like I give what the team needs in that role. Like, they needed me to be energetic as this, but he's just that same dude, right? Like that's oh, just- 100%. He's, he's 
someone I was sat next to, next to actually said like they're having trouble watching the game and not focusing on on the the stuff because all of them are up and about. Uh, but Modi particularly, obviously, just throwing his hands in the air and stamping his foot. Um, but they're they're going to be really exciting to watch. I think like the imports are fun, um, and then you've got uh, Rayan Rupert who is just. He's so impressive on the court. And then I, I had the chance to sit down with him actually for quite an in-depth one-on-one speaking about his, his family, um, you know, the fact that he plays uh, for his father who passed away and his sister's just won a WNBA championship with the, with the Aces and is now back in, back in Sydney playing for France. And he's just a really um, impressive young man. He's only 18. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, he's been an um, absolute standout in those, they, they play their third game, tonight um obviously tom abercrombie getting hurt shout out to him successful surgery back home but he's going to be out for a little while here which gives repair like a runway to big minutes right out of the gate which he may not have they may have kind of eased him into it a little bit more if that had not been the case and geez he's been impressive in those first couple of games what he had 12 points and three steals game one knocked down two of two from long range and mm-hmm. I'm making a little bit out of pick and roll and I was like oh hold on wow we expected the defense exactly but what you're what he's bringing offensively is unbelievable and then he comes down to 17 and 8 Modi should have played him down the stretch and maybe they would have got the win in that game but from from being there courtside he through the screen it looked like he looked he was rem- like remarkably comfortable and confident. Did you get that same sense from him in the building? Definitely, definitely. Um, like sitting sitting down, he sort of, you know, he knows defense is his strength at the moment. And he said, look, I need to work on my office, offensive game, my stroke particularly. And then you go out there and I'm like, what, what part of your stroke do you need to work on? Because it looks pretty bloody good from here. Yeah. And he's not afraid to, he's not afraid to take a shot either, which I, I think, I think he sort of was alluding to the fact that it's it's in pressure circumstances. It's down the stretch. He okay. he needs wants to be more of a, a go to guy just to to build on his game, of course. But um, it looks like he's he's got the license to do that, which is I mean, as I said, only preseason. Maybe come come the season, it's a little bit more structured. Who knows? But um, yeah, he's he's exciting. And he, you know, I think he he said he's he's still growing. Or Modi Modi said he was still growing. Yeah. He's, but I think he's still got two inches to catch his dad, first of all. And, you, and you, you look at him in person, you're just like, you clearly haven't even grown into your shoes yet. Like you, you've got another three or four at least to, to keep going and then to obviously fill out eventually too. So, um, yeah, big, big things, I think. A few people saying, because um, he said he's really good friends with Usman Dieng, so they've been, okay. they've been chatting and leaning on each other a little bit. But a couple of people sort of suggesting that he – has come is coming into the season where Usman Dieng sort of left off right. from a, a next stars point of view. So right. that'll be interesting to see whether he can keep going from there or whether there's there's a bit of a wave. Yeah. And as you say, it's preseason. Like we see some things in preseason every year, right? Like Didi Luzada hit, I don't know, eight triples in a game in the Blitz in Tassie. And then it was streaky when the regular season arrived in, in at Kudos Bank Arena. Like well, let's look at look at look time. at the Kings and their first game. <laughs> they and were you just, all you, over the shop. They they were and and um first of all shout out to Fleur for for yep. taking the reins in that game. That was unbelievable. You sat there and she's I, I definitely consider her a mate and you sat there just 
as a female in 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 basketball so proud just seeing seeing her out there doing her thing and and she embraced it she absolutely loved it and she's like look it doesn't matter how the guys played I think she said Dave at one point in the fourth quarter sort of either came from the bench or or was getting up to go around the court and he just said Fleur I'm so sorry we've been absolutely shite um <laughs> But, but that's the they all get on so well they they can have those conversations and and all, all the boys were like look that was terrible but we've got to get it out of our system and and yeah. I think you you see that and you go it's pre-season it's the Sydney Kings they've got great depth great players good coaching staff they'll be absolutely fine they will mm. sort this their, themselves out sorry when um, <laughs> we <laughs> we see we see things uh some funky things at the blitz uh and watching to Jim McCall last night as the head coach I of the type bands was very fun I chatted with Adam Ford about it this morning and I was like yo what's what's going on there he said look he was always going to sit that game out because of just like the load um so you know we thought we'd give it a whirl and he could kind of get a bit more of an understanding of what it's like on that side because you know like he said look Taj is Taj is the gaffer for our yeah. team like he's the voice he's the leader and he needs to be the extension of me on the court is basically what 40 was saying so him having a bit more of an understanding of that experience for me um, and then seeing he said it was really interesting seeing how well the guys were going to like follow him in that moment and the way they rallied late in that game in that third quarter in particular like it's not something you see very often one of the players just taking the reins no, it's pretty cool though. I, I, I think every, I think Cairns are going to be everyone's like second favorite team. They're, they're a great young group of guys. Forty as a coach is super accessible. He, he speaks really well. Always looking dapper on the sidelines. Um, their kit, by the way, the mm. the snakeskin kit is even better in in person. It is so good. Um, he said he's eyeing off some shoes that to match it, actually. Which uh -huh. <laughs> like some pretty... Al Westover sort of cowboy boots. Yeah, yeah, can't wait to see those. But um, uh, uh, yeah, he said he said the same thing to me about Taj being the natural leader. They yeah. actually haven't appointed anyone captain. Mm -hmm. um, so Forty was sort of saying, look, we've got guys with with certain strengths in certain areas, and, and on the court, you know, Taj is that guy. He's he's one of the older ones in the group because they are quite young. Mm. Um, but someone like Sam Wardenberg, who's coming in as a rookie, but has got pretty good, well, big expectations on his shoulders. He's not carrying bags. So Forty's got all the, the veteran guys carrying bags um, throughout the, the blitz and things like that. So he's just really trying to, to work with the group and, and help the guys find them, their feet themselves and lean on each other for certain things. And I, I don't know, I just really, I really like the Taipans and I mean, you've got, who McCall coming in, Sam, as I said, DJ is an absolute sniper. He looks really, really impressive. Mm. And I don't know whether it comes through on the telly, but he's a lot bigger than Big, what you what you think nine, he is. Long, but can play the three. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's going to be a bit of a secret weapon for them. Yeah. Um, they're going to be, what, what's the equivalent of like the NBL league pass team? They're, they're like the KO team of the league this season. Like, Yep, you gotta works. watch. You gotta watch Taipans games. Yeah, I think. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs, but I think they. You know those teams at the end, like what they were at the end of last season, and what Adelaide were at the end of last season, where like they're like a spoiler. Yeah. To me, that's the Taipans right from opening night. Definitely, definitely, and some of their like their um their backcourt sort of 
Ben Eyre and those guys. I mean, didn't he have a game last mm. <laughs> night, by the mm. way? But they're hustlers. Like they are, they are in players' faces. They're going to be annoying to play. And as you said, I think they will push teams and and just upset uh, a few teams. They'll they'll be in it. They just might run out of legs occasionally. I want to just talk before we finish up here, and I don't want like it's a bit of a bummer to go take it to a downer, but um, about Ariel Hook Porty, devastating, and. I think we all can appreciate how devastating it is and how we've seen it with DJ Vasiljevic and with Jack White over recent years, that Achilles injury. I'm in that Achilles, snapped Achilles club. So it, I know oh, yeah. like as soon as I saw it and I saw it look back, um, I just kind of, you know, could just had those feelings all over again. Uh, devastating for him and Melbourne United and whatnot. But I want to speak to you about like how well he was playing and how good he was looking in those first couple of games before that happened? Yeah, look, I, I think he, he's definitely gone away and, and done some work. And from chatting to, to some of the Melbourne staff and things, he's really um, getting on, like, really, really well with some of the Melbourne, um, the new imports as well. And so it is, it, it's such a shame. Like, he's, he's so uh, intimidating. I, I love watching him from a defensive point of view. He's the most intense player out there. He's, you know, barking the entire time. Um, and I actually spoke to Melbourne this morning and just to sort of gauge how he's feeling mentally at the moment. And they said he was, he was amazing, like um, sort of obviously devastated, but kind of just tackling, tackling it head first. Does it help that we've got two case studies recently who have come back from, from what he's about to go through better and stronger and have had more opportunities for it? Maybe he looks at that and goes, look, it's going to be a long 12 months, but hey, look where I could be. Let's see what happens. 100%. And the fact that um, one of his former teammates is the, like, and and who has worked with that medical stuff and is now Mm. in the NBA, provides that blueprint for him, I think is a massive positive. Like if you want to find a silver lining around a gray cloud, like no doubt the examples of DJ, but even more specifically Jack, who he knows so well, I yeah. think it's going to be super helpful for him. Yeah, I know. I think I think you're right. Um, never, never good to see. And and I mean, where where does it leave Melbourne? They looked, they looked like they had a lot of work to do anyway. And again, you 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 sort of go, look, it's it's Melbourne United. Ding Bickerman's been there, done that. They'll be okay. Um, but it's just given them another another element that they're going to have to work out. So the way I saw that situation coming into the season was Hook Porty was the guy, and. Yeah. Uh, Isaac was <clears throat> a process. Let's see what he can give us later in the year as we kind of ramp him up slowly and take care of his body. And for me, he was going to be the backup and then it would become a bit of a position battle later in the season. Hopefully both of them playing at a really high level like Joe Luala Chul and Ariel Hookporty were doing last mm. season. Um, now that changes completely. Like this is a next day. It's not an import that you can just replace with an import. It's a diff is from what you've seen from Isaac and he was good in his most recent game. I mean, he's he ready to now just put his hand up and say, look, put the, the Superman cape on and say, don't worry about it. I've got this. Um, he will, he will want to be like you, you've spoken to him. He, he, he's wanted this opportunity. And I think he's the kind of person who will go out and take it with both hands They'll have to manage him, his load, for sure. Um, 
But I mean, I thought he was actually going to be one of their secret weapons this year as, as such a good local player who, you know, hasn't been around for, for a year or so, but you know what, how good he is. You remember back to sort of when he was with 36ers and, and he was what early running for the MVP that season that he was mm-hmm. playing there with Josh Giddy. So I, I definitely think he can get back to that point. It might take them a little while for sure. Um, but I don't know, something about Melbourne United, you just know that they'll, they'll work it out. It just might take them a little while. All right. To finish off, let's not finish on a couple of guys that are maybe getting hurt or coming back from being hurt. Let's talk about a guy who just always tears it up. And for me, it was the moment, I mean, it was Bainesy and his first game and it was Bryce Cotton and what he did with that 36 point explosion against Cairns where, and he's just kind of chilled through the rest of the tournament because he's, it's preseason and he's done this and, and he's a veteran and he knows how it works, but it felt like a statement that performance. Yeah, I think so. Do you, oh, uh, Bryce, Bryce is unbelievable. You know, when you kind of like, do you think at any time you're going to slow down and, and start aging? It's like, no, he's just going to go out there and keep killing it. Um, but I did, I did speak to him afterwards and I, I sort of said, look, you know, you broke, you broke the, the streak last season, new look team, new coach coming in. Does it feel like, you know, there's a chip on your shoulder and you've got a point to prove and you've got to get back to finals this season? And Bryce being Bryce is a nightmare. He's like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, he just deflects all that stuff. He does, doesn't he? But, but you, you just know, you can see him. He's got that yeah. white line fever, doesn't he? And, and I think they do. And like JR's come in and, and they lost a bit of that, that defensive sort of grip last season, I think. And that's something that they're really, really working on. And, and you know what they can do offensively. And we didn't see, or well, we haven't seen too much of, um, of Thomas yet. Yep. So I'm it will... That. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he's going to be a really good fit there, but their depth is ridiculous. Like you, f- you forget, so sort of you read it on paper and you're like, okay, okay, okay. But then you see it down the bench and you're like, yeah. okay, like LT's on the bench. Hang on a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like these kind of guys. And, and Mitch Norton obviously went down with the injury, but he'll be okay. Kyle Zunick, like these guys are, are solid, solid role players. And then to obviously to be there to support your likes of, um, of Bryce and Corey Webster coming in. I don't think they've probably got the, the same, I don't have the same concerns about Perth as I do Adelaide in terms of managing those personalities. I feel like JR's probably got an easier job. The guys seem to um, not be a little bit more chilled, but just there's a better balance of, of personalities mm-hmm. with Perth, but mm-hmm. they, they 100% have, have got a, a point to prove this season. And I have no doubt that they're going to do it. Yeah. I think you're so bang on about Bryce. He, he'll he deflect and deflect and he said, I'm not thinking anything that you're suggesting I'm thinking, mm. but he is. Yeah. Like when on the call the other <laughs> night, maybe it was on overtime or whatever, and I said something about, you know, like everyone's come in, they're talking about Xavier Cooks as MVP, Jalen Adams was MVP the previous year. And I was like, do you think, and Corey was like, he sees everything and hears everything. And I think back to years ago, when you know Corey was saying this that and the other about the wildcats and bryce was saying i don't hear it i don't know who is the guy i don't even and then he hits the shot and he turns around and he points at him saying like we're making the playoffs Mm. like i he is a competitive beast and he he does hear it and he does feel it and every now and then it comes to the fore and he shows it and I, I feel without a shadow of a doubt that that 
first game, he was like, I would you this is this is preseason and I would usually approach it, but I'm coming out and just delivering today. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was so good. He's he's unbelievable to watch. And what I um I always find seeing him play live is I forget how how small he is. Right. And and therefore you just go, How are you doing what you're doing and getting yourself into those positions? And and yeah, I I, I kind of take my journalism hat off when I watch him and just my jaw hits the ground and I just enjoy it. I'm like, flip. You know, this is this is fun. Love it, love it. All right, let's let's finish it off there, uh, because I I think our jaw's going to hit the ground a lot of times this season watching NBL twenty three, and uh, we had a few of those moments with a few guys at the Blitz. But once October one rolls around, we're going to have a whole bunch more, and uh, you're going to be a big part of it there in Sydney. I hope so. A uh, quick question for you: What hit are me. you most looking forward to this season? What am I most looking forward to? Um, I think Adelaide being a force, you know, like it's been 20 years since they raised the championship banner and it's been, you know, like a rough three years straight as seventh. And, um, I would love for CJ Bruton to be like a really successful head coach in this league because the Bruton as a Bruton's as a family Mm. have been so important to the NBL over the journey. And I also want like an owner who splashes some money to get wins, to get rewarded. Like that's what we want owners in this league doing to try to kind of come big to the party and throw the resources around. So, um, and then also for that fan base, I love the Adelaide 36ers fans because they're smart and they're passionate and they get around their team and they've had a lot of winning over a long time, but not as much in recent times. So I think what, Adelaide being a force again is what I'm looking forward to this season. Yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. You? My mum my goes to all of their games, so she's stoked. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you? What about you? Uh, um, yeah, probably would have said the same thing. Um, do you know another team that I, I can't wait to, to see them um, not, not prove a point, but I think we all admittedly, I think sort of, I sort of went, oh, Tassie, Tassie, Last year it was a fairy tale. Mm. They they won't they can't back it up. They cannot no. back it up. And then you see them play, and you're like, it's pretty much the same group. I know Josh Adams is really tough to um, to replace, mm. but they've brought in two guys who are probably at, at least have have hit his level, and then maybe even a little bit more because there are two of them. Right. And you go, I can't wait to see you guys like giving it to these teams again and, and and you know just being being those underdogs even though they were in the grand final series last year I still I feel like they still are underdogs like they, yeah. they need to be there for a few years to, to really establish themselves so I can't wait to see them give it to some of these more established bigger bigger cities I think that's a really good call because Scott Roth when he took over that role he was saying I'm trying to build like lay some foundations and build something that's just going to be successful year in year out so that we become a nut like the, like the Perth Wildcats in this league. I don't, we don't want to be highs and lows. He tells his players, I don't want highs and lows on the day-to-day. I don't want highs and lows from you in a game. But he doesn't want highs and lows from that team and that organization on a year-to-year basis. So when they come out and they do that again, where they're just a really tough beat and they just, you, they, they're not going to lose games themselves. You're going to have to come in and hit shots and beat them. Mm-hmm. And then they're in the mix again late in the in the season and they're in the he's just gonna say, 
I've been telling you all along. I know, I know. Sit there smug with his cigar, just (laughs) watching it all happen in front of him. I love it. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to watch it all happen in front of us over the course of the season. And um, at some stage, too, we're going to circle back and do this all over again because it was a great chat. Love having you on. And, um, you know, thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.